Good morning. Welcome to this time of worship and praise for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is resurrected. He is risen, and He is risen indeed. I want to welcome each one of you this morning who are viewing this message today. I pray that this finds you in good health, and certainly that you are continuing to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we begin the message today, I'd like to just continue to encourage you to pray. I believe that people are praying all over the world and, and certainly are praying about the situation with the coronavirus. I ask that the Lord would continue to cover those who have been affected by this particular virus in the blood of Jesus and that the medical professionals that are working also to help people at this time, that we would pray that God would protect them. And that God would protect all of us. And so, encourage you to pray. I believe that God is, is in the midst of this crisis that we're in, are doing wonderful things. And we know that because He proved that by being resurrected from the grave. He's not in the grave. He's alive, and He's alive forevermore. So, I encourage you uh, to continue to pray. Reflect upon the truth that uh, since Jesus was resurrected, there's so many blessings as a result of that. And we're going to talk about that today, some things. And the title of this message is The Surprise of the Resurrection. I was meditating on this yesterday and sitting before the Lord. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me about a couple things here, first of all, some thoughts. And then we'll get into the message, which will be Luke chapter 24. And we'll read verses 1 through 12. But these thoughts I'd like to share with you today. The pews are empty. Normally, the churches would be full this weekend of many people worshiping together and in and, and community. But we know because of the social distancing and, and the uh, shelter in place and all, that is preventing us from gathering together uh, corporately and worshiping the Lord. But we can worship the Lord right where we are, and I want to encourage you to do that. God is with you. He is with us always. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so I just believe today that God will have a, a, just a real word for each one of us uh, through this time together. And so the pews are empty, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We're filled with the Spirit. That's the wonderful thing about it is. And the good thing about it is, is that the tomb is empty because He is risen. And He is risen indeed. The blessing about the resurrection. Paul says, if Christ be not resurrected, then our faith is in vain. Then we're still in our sins. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for each person, and all who call upon His name shall be saved. And I encourage you today and invite you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, today may be the day that you would ask Him to come into your life to save you, be your personal Lord and Savior, forgive you of your sins, and give you that certainly certainty and guarantee that one day that we'll be in heaven together and we'll be with Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior. So, I encourage you to do that. So, as we begin this morning, let's pray together. It is going to, the scripture is going to be Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But before we do, let's pray together. Father, we bow this morning in the precious name of Jesus, thanking you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's a glorious day. It's a glorious day. Christ has risen from the grave, and we are just full of joy and peace and love and, Father, anticipation for what you're going to do in our lives and even around the world, dear Lord, in the midst of circumstances that we never thought we would find ourselves in. 
And so, Lord, we pray today, Your Word, Your truth would go forth uh, from around, from the pulpits and across this land, wherever it may be spoken, dear God. Your Word would go forth and, dear Lord, change people's hearts. And so, we invite You, Holy Spirit. We welcome You and ask that You would come and manifest Your presence in this midst today for all who are viewing right there in their homes or apartments or dwell in their living spaces, dear Lord, that You would manifest Your presence in their midst, that you would come and reveal Jesus, Holy Spirit, to the hearts of all who are here. And dear Lord, we pray that as we, as we speak these things today, that we actually would uh, come to a deeper, heartfelt understanding and the reality of what happened over 2,000 years ago when Christ rose from the grave. Oh Lord, impart that truth to our hearts. And we know, Lord, when that happens, that we'll never be the same again. So Lord, today, come. And move and in power. Touch people. Speak to people's hearts this day. Those, Lord, who are without jobs, we ask you today that you would provide. That you, by supernaturally providing for those that don't have jobs, that, that feel like, how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pr- pay for the groceries and the things that are needed, Lord, today? I ask you, Father, across this land, across this world, that you would provide in a powerful, mighty way. And I pray, Father, as a result of that, people's eyes would be open to see the reality that God has done this thing, that God has provided, and you'll receive all the glory and the honor, and, and dear God, all the power and dominion, dear Lord, because you are truly do all of that. So, Lord, today, we just thank you for this time together. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles, or it's there on your screen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to to them like nonsense. And so Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The most powerful event in all of history, Jesus Christ, defeating, conquering death, the blessing, and he gives that to you and me, that that the reality of knowing that when we put our faith in him, we're in Christ and he is in us, that we have the same victory over the grave and blessing of uh the resurrection here. I want to share today a couple of things that I think are really important. As we celebrate today 
is a central defining event of the Christian faith here. And normally, as I said, mostly churches are normally filled of schools and other meeting places, warehouses and wherever people would be meeting together to celebrate, to praise and worship, to give thanks to our God. But certainly on this time, the, the churches are empty because of the virus and so forth. But we stand today and I want to tell you how great it is to be able to give thanks to our God. And so the distinguishing thing about the characteristic of this, that Jesus rose from the grave. But Buddha, Confucius, Aristotle, Plato, Joseph Smith, and all of those people that have gone before us who were looking for the true meaning of life, they're still in the grave. But Jesus has risen and He lives and He lives forevermore. And in fact, not only makes Christianity unique, but it also makes it good news. But not just good news, it goes beyond that. It's incredible news. It's amazing news. It is unbelievable news, wonderful uh, news. And it goes way be- beyond because good doesn't fully describe when we talk about the resurrection today. That, moves, that news is, is great news. The blessing of knowing that, how great that is here. And certainly... 2,000 years ago, as Jesus arose from the grave, we, we think about that. We, we reflect on that and we reflect upon the blessings that is. But certainly, in the time between Jesus when He was crucified, from the time in those days in between and the resurrection, I want to reflect this morning on something I think is very important. because And it's about the disciples' lives. The disciples had walked with Jesus in intimate communion and fellowship throughout the years that Jesus walked. And they had seen Jesus do so many miracles and had, had raised the dead and actually had healed the sick and cast out demons. He, he showed compassion and love to people like no one they had ever seen before. And, and so they had seen Jesus crucified, treated like a criminal, nailed on the cross be, between two criminals. They had seen him. They had seen him when they removed his body from the cross, his lifeless body. They had seen the torture that this man that they had followed for those years had go through in that time. And so, you know, they were pondering, what does this all mean? And, and all they saw their, their man, their savior go to the cross and, and they had, they were perplexed here. They must have been grief-stricken and heartbroken and shocked and horrified and even traumatized as certainly seeing someone go through this. But most of all, I believe that they were confused. They were confused about what this was all about because, you see, the disciples, they had been waiting. Israel had been waiting for the Messiah, the one who would come and deliver them. For they would, uh, they were looking for someone to come, I believe, and take up military, uh, strength and, and overpower their enemies in this and reestablish Israel, uh, in their position in the world and so forth. And we know the disciples also, they felt that they would maybe be, be upheld to a place of honor and privilege, certainly, when uh, the Messiah came into power here. So they had followed him under this and, and, uh, they were perplexed. They were confused here. Because just a week before, Jesus had rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they said, Hosanna, and blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they had seen it. And then a week later, people were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And we have no king except for Caesar. They had seen the people turn on Jesus in this way. So they were confused, certainly here. 
And uh, all they had was a dead teacher and a lifeless Savior. So how could this be? How could it end this way? They must have thought. Everything that Jesus taught had seemed so right, so true. Was it all a lie here? Uh, how could they have been so mistaken as deceived? Were they fools for believing that this Jesus was their Messiah? Can you imagine? Think about that for a moment. Can you imagine how they felt certainly here? They'd seen Jesus do all these things and open the eyes of the blind and all. And were they thinking that this, this man was really a liar and a fraud here? Or he was a madman or lunatic here? Or maybe that he was just an ordinary man who had sort of been self-deceived about this and, and visions of grandeur may be taught, spoken of in that way. Maybe this was who he was. They began to doubt. They began to look at this. And, and they maybe questioned, who is Jesus anyway? They thought they knew him. And, and you know, when it came down to it, after all this happened, they probably weren't sure of anything. They probably went back completely confused and perplexed. We, they weren't sure of anything. But they could say probably, surely the Son of God couldn't die. Could he? But yes. You can imagine how confused and distraught that they must have been. Maybe you felt that way before also. Maybe you began following Jesus earlier in life or maybe recently. Or maybe you've looked at that. And maybe somehow Jesus has not uh, done what you would like for Him to do. Maybe somehow we see here that we don't realize exactly what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you had hopes and plans and expectations and all of a sudden something came and just knocked you right off your feet here. You never saw it coming. And obviously not only that, you never imagined that it would come. And you say, what's going on here? This isn't supposed to happen here. My children are supposed to follow God. I've raised them in a Christian family and they've all gone astray. They were rebelling against God. Maybe uh, your spouse has has passed away and you said this is not the way it's supposed to happen. We weren't even in our retirement years and this happened and, and all. And you began to look at it and you wondered, who is this Jesus? It's not the life what I thought it would be. How confusing that it could be here. And you know, when it happens personally, when it happens to us individually, it takes on a different perspective. We see it happening at a distance to someone else. But we know it's completely different when it happens to each one of us. You know, just as these disciples felt like maybe God had abandoned them. And maybe you feel like that God has abandoned you also. Maybe you feel like that, you know, God is nowhere to be found. It feels like your prayers are bouncing off the walls and they're not going up to heaven. That God's not listening. For whatever reason you may feel that is happening. And I want to assure you today that God is listening. And that God is in full control. God is sovereign. And God works in this. And He was in control, certainly at that time of history, as well as right now in your life individually. And He loves you. And He'll bring you through this, certainly. But anyway, you may feel that way today, you know. Losing your job. Uh, losing things uh, in your household. Not even being able to pr pay the rent and so forth. And, and your plans for life here, they've been turned upside down. Confusing, isn't it? Think about it. This is what was happening in the disciples' life. But I'd like to consider another point of view here, certainly, in the disciples' lives. And certainly, that is the spiritual point of view for each one of those. By all appearances, 
It meant that the Pharisees had been right all along. Think about it. The Pharisees were the ones that opposed Jesus and they wanted everybody to follow the rules and the regulations and, and all. Maybe they thought the Pharisees had been right. Maybe they had been wrong that this man who loved people like they'd never seen love before. They'd never even experienced this love and forgiveness and compassion and acceptance. Maybe they felt like the Pharisees' way, the rules and the regulations were the way it was. And maybe they thought because of that, that they themselves had actually rebelled against God because they weren't following what the Pharisees wanted. So they had a lot of questions, even spiritually, in their lives here. And so the Pharisees had a severe, unforgiving taskmaster ideal of who God was. And they accepted nothing less than perfect obedience to every one of His laws. They said that they could keep these laws, but they knew they couldn't. And the disciples knew they couldn't keep the rules and regulations. And yet, you know, they had seen the opposite of Jesus. It's full of grace, mercy, extending that grace and mercy to all who would receive. And so they believed that somehow there was no hope of salvation. They realized they could not come under the burden of the law, of all those rules and rigorous types of things that the Pharisees put on people, that weight and that burden and all. And they realized maybe that heaven's doors were shut tight, that they would never be able to see salvation. I believe this is what the disciples were thinking. Jesus hung on the cross. Their hope, no longer that hope. They began to certainly, I believe, uh, to see that it may have been all for naught, certainly here. Jesus here, the one who loved unconditionally. And He forgave. And they had seen that. They witnessed that. They experienced that actually in their heart of hearts. And they realized that maybe there's no hope. Maybe there's hope, no hope for us. But something happened. Something happened there on the third day. Jesus arose from the grave. He's not here, the Word of God says. He has risen. And I say, hallelujah. Hallelujah to the King of kings and the Lord of lords here. And as it turned out, Jesus was not a madman. He wasn't a lunatic. He was not a fool there. He was actually the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the God that He revealed to us, the God of love and grace and mercy, and the God who welcomes all who come to Him through Jesus Christ, that God is real. And His arms are open wide to all who will call on His name. Isn't that good news? That is great news. That's incredible news. That's amazing news. It's the best news we could ever receive. And so, Jesus, they found this one that they had put their faith in, their trust in. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. All the things that we know the Scripture talks about, we also experience in our lives. We, we can experience confusion. We don't know what's going on. Sometimes we feel like we're flat on our backs and, and we have no way of getting up. We, we can only, we can hardly get out of the bed sometimes because things are so rough. Life presents challenges and, and difficulties and trials and tribulations and so forth. And I want to just encourage you today. God is the one that we look to. These disciples saw and they had hope. They had risen from the dead. They'd never seen this before. And so, I want to ask you why the resurrection is great news today. Why is it amazing news? And I want to certainly tell you today, first of all, that it means that death is not the end. The grave is not our final destination. That's the best news that we could ever have. That death is not the end. It's not the final destination there. 
And by dying and then rising again, Jesus Christ has vanquished death once and for all. And so that death no longer has the final word. I want to look at three scriptures involving this today. And um, it speaks to what I'm talking about. And this is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or shame of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel here. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, the gospel of peace, the gospel of salvation there. The second scripture is Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 9. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57. One of my favorites. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 through 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ here. And so I want to tell you here, to put it in real my vernacular and my understanding terms here, because of what Christ did, we are immortal. We will live forever. Can we understand that? Do we believe that? Through faith in Christ, we possess what mankind has been searching for since the dawn of time. You could say the fountain of youth. You know, you've heard of different explorers and they were looking for the fountain of youth. Jesus Christ provided that we will no longer face death. We live on throughout eternity, on and on and on here. We found it. We'll never die. We cannot be killed. We're going to live forever. Our lives have no be a beginning, yes, but it never have an ending. And when the stars have burned out, we'll still be alive, worshiping and serving God. I love Amazing Grace, that last verse. It says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. When we've been there 10,000 years, It'll be just the beginning of that eternity that we're talking about. We will be there praising and worshiping the Lord and serving Him throughout eternity. And Jesus being resurrected, this is what He did. Death no longer plays a role in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of death. Now people with the coronavirus, you know, they were hit and they were broadside. Many people did not know that they're getting this virus. Maybe they tried to protect themselves and somehow they got the virus anyway. And, and yet we know that uh, many, so many people have died as a result of this and so forth. You and I don't have the fear of death. There is no fear. And he didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power and sound mind. 
And so the truth of the matter is we don't have to be afraid of death. We can, we can certainly put our hands and our lives in God's hands and we are in His hands. And we don't have to be afraid of dying or being a part of that. And so when we think about that, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. That old song that we sang. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow and the uncertainties that are there. And how is that? It's because of the resurrection, we have courage. We have courage here. We can stand firm in our faith. We can do the right thing no matter what the cost. We can suffer uh, the loss and hardship without any regret. Why? It's because the worst possible thing that can happen to us, death, has been rendered powerless. It has no power over us. It no longer has the ability to do us any permanent harm. Listen here, the words of Christ in Luke chapter 12, verses five, 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. I tell you, fear him. We don't have to be afraid of death. Trust in Jesus Christ. His blood covers our sins, our past, present, and future. And we walk with Him in the freedom. When Jesus said, I've come to set the captive free, He said that we came. He did that thing. He does not want us to walk in bondages and the shackles and the chains that sometimes we carry in to the relationship with Him. And He's breaking chains off of people. And I see that on a regular basis. He's doing that today. Even Christians who have been bound by bondages and, and their past and so forth. And the reality of God revealing to them that their sins are not held account, are not held up before Him in account. God never brings it up again. That we've been forgiven. And we know that is good news, certainly. But the second thing here is, uh, is that sometimes things are often very different from how they appear. As Christians, we know we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes they don't look and don't appear the way we think they do, certainly here. Because, you know, not everything that looks like a loss or a failure or a defeat really is one. Think about that. The enemy of our soul, Satan himself and his demons, will try to tell you and me that we're failures. And I know many people that walk around with that, that they're a failure. They never amount to anything and they're not free. And the enemy, the accuser of the brethren who who goes before the throne of God day and night and accuses us. He whispers in your ear and tells you, you'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. You'll never be able to do anything as far as your purposes in God here. And maybe you were raised in a home where maybe your, your mother or your father or both and in some way or another has spoken things into your life that are not true and they've gone in. You believe them and they've taken root and, and it's produced what's called, the Bible calls a stronghold in your life. And so God is saying today, you're not a failure. You may have stumbled and fallen sometimes, but God doesn't see you that way. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. In Christ, He looks at us. He sees, certainly, Jesus has imparted, has imputed His righteousness to us, each one of us. He sees us as He sees Jesus. He sees us as His children. We're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. He sees us that way. Isn't that good news? Yet the enemy tells us just the opposite here. When Jesus arose from the grave, He made this obviously possible here. And uh, death was not victorious. 
But yet, sometimes we believe, you know, where am I going when this is all over with? When I take my last breath, I want to just tell you today, God wants you to know for sure that when you take your last breath, you're going to walk, you're going to be in His presence, and you're going to be healed immediately. He doesn't want you wishy-washy and wondering about where you're going when you die. And I pray that God would, you and God would get it settled in your heart that this is what happens when you die. I remember years ago visiting with a family and, and I was asking the, the man, his, his wife was, was terminally ill and I asked the man and I said, do you, you know that you're going to heaven when you, you take your last breath? And, and he said, I hope so. And I started exploring what he meant by I hope so. And he said, uh, well, I, I'm not sure. And I think what he was doing was basing what he was doing. If he's done enough good works to satisfy the holiness of God. And I want to tell you, we can never do enough good works. Our, our good, even the best works are like filthy rags, the Bible says in Isaiah here. It is by grace, something we can't earn, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I owe. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good news. He took care of it all. And so we know that we cannot earn our way to heaven. It's a gift of grace. He simply offers us, offers us that free gift of salvation. Luke chapter 24, two verses, 25 through 27 says this. Because a lot of times things don't always appear like they really are. And this speaks to that. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself here. You see, this most, what we think of as a tragic event in history was a time of what God had planned. And God's plan from eternity past, he knew that Jesus would have to, to go to the cross. The, the unblemished Lamb of God, he had no sin. He had to go to the cross to take all of the sins upon him when he went to went to Calvary and died for the sins of the world. It was exactly, perfectly in God's plan that this take place. Didn't look like it. it. Looked like, obviously, the devil had won. And maybe sometimes, even in our own lives, and somehow we feel like the devil has won. Maybe somehow he did trap you, and you've stumbled into temptation, and you sinned against God. And God is telling you today, and I want to encourage you today. He's telling you to get up, get back up, to run into the arms of Jesus. Ask forgiveness and move on. God forgives us and he, he wants us to walk in that freedom each and every day. You see, that's the blessing of the resurrection here. And then in verses 36 through 45, it says, But they did not believe the women here because their words seemed to them like nonsense. It wasn't until later when Christ appeared to them himself that they finally realized what had happened. Seems like nonsense. Sometimes God's plan, we just can't figure it out, can we? But as children of God, I want to tell you today, he's got the best plan for your life and my life. He's got his plan already. He knew you from eternity past. He knew when you would be born. He knew the parents that you would be born to. He knew everything about you. He knows every hair on your head the Bible talks about. And He has a plan for you. 
A plan that obviously, as we yield ourselves to Him and we see that plan, and one thing His plan is all about is certainly giving Him all the praise and glory. And I was running this morning and I was thinking about that. And I said, Lord, I want to know You. I know Paul prayed in Philippians that I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and I do also. But I was telling Lord, I just want to know You, Lord. I want to know you. I'm reading your word and I'm, I'm, I'm studying your word and, and I'm communing with you. But I want to know you, Lord, because there's so much more to God than we've ever, ever experienced before. But I want to know you, that intimate communion with you. I want to know you now, just like when I get to heaven. Isn't that good news? I believe God wants to do that. that we don't have to wait until that time. God wants to reveal himself to our hearts. That's the blessing of the resurrection here. You know, think about it. Mention because often we don't understand what God is doing in our lives. They were still surprised what God, that Jesus was crucified here. They were surprised again when He rose from the grave. We too are often surprised when God does, does what He says He's going to do. He says that we will face trials and tribulations. He says that we'll face uh, difficulties and challenges. He tells us that. We know that. You know, I like to have a smooth sailing life, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But God tells us that we're going to face these things. And so when those things come in our lives, these challenges that we know that we need to be ready, we need to have our relationship with God, a close relationship with Him. We need to be in His Word. We need to be in prayer before the Lord. We need to be fellowshipping with other Christians to have our faith strengthened and encouraged. And so we know things come as a surprise to us. And certainly in this coronavirus, as I mentioned, it came as a surprise to many people. But was God surprised? No, He wasn't surprised at all here. And I believe God is working all things out for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, according to Romans 8.28. I believe in the midst of this plague is that God is working things out. Isn't that good news? That's good news. In your life, in my life, the Word of God brings encouragement to our lives here. There is a movement, a prayer movement all over the world that's taking place. Even this morning talking uh, to our, our family here at Lighthouse Fellowship and talking about people praying, people wanting to get together and pray more and more like this. This is deep in my prayer life and I'm sure maybe it has yours also. And we're joining with hearts all over the world praying to God Almighty. And I believe that it may culminate in the biggest revival, maybe the, the third great awakening to take place across this land where thousands and thousands of people will come into the kingdom of God and give their hearts to Jesus and their lives obviously be turned around because of that repentance that takes place. I was emailing this past week to some friends that... Uh, we have in uh, Quito, Ecuador, South America. And in Ecuador, in uh, Quito, they're real strict on people coming outside and so forth. And, and even those who are 55 years and older, they cannot leave their place of residence. They have to stay there. They have to have somebody else to go to the grocery store for them. And you can have only one family member to go to the grocery store. And so they're really sheltering in place there. And our friends uh, Fabian and Andrea, their pozo in Quito, Ecuador. Uh, Andrea emailed me back and she said, but I want to tell you, Jim, we've, we've been in this apartment now for two or three weeks and all. We haven't left the apartment. But the good thing about it, there are people that are out on the sidewalks on their knees and they're praying all over the city. Isn't that great news? People are turning to God in this. 
So God can use the worst of our circumstances to turn people to Him. Why is that so? It's because of the resurrection. He's risen. And He's risen indeed. The blessing of knowing that. Certainly. You think somehow God has lost control? No, God's in control. God is completely in control. He knows exactly what He's allowing, what He's doing in our lives to draw us close to Him. And maybe somehow I think about it, and, and I don't know this, but maybe it suggests this to you that somehow through this, maybe that God is getting our attention. Maybe He's this is a wake-up call. You know, in the book of Romans there, I believe chapter uh, 12, 13 in that area, you know, Paul says, wake up out of your sleep. You're lulled to sleep. I don't know about you, but this has awakened me to pray. To pray more often, continuously. Uh, pray without ceasing, the Bible says. It's causing my life to be a life of prayer. That's a good thing. It's drawing me closer to God. And I know the same for you. Don't turn away. Continue to yield your heart to the Lord. You may not know what's going on. and You may be confused. Just like the disciples were during this time. Uh, between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Maybe you are also. Maybe it is. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe nobody cares. But God Almighty cares about you. God loves you. And He loves you with an everlasting love. He never stops. And that, that is good news. It's because of the resurrection. You know, even when things seem the darkest, when it seems that God is far away, and when it seems that evil is winning, you see, God is at work. He's at work in your life. And He is working to accomplish His good and loving and wise purposes. Even when it seems that He's nowhere to be found. He hasn't been defeated. He hasn't abandoned you. He is with you right now. He'll help you through whatever it is. Whether it's a loss of job. Maybe it's relationship problems. Or or maybe it's just health problems. You know, Jesus is over cancer. Jesus is over all these illnesses. He is Lord over all. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, He's right there beside you. Like He's always been. And His promise is that the end result of His work in your life will be glorious. Isn't that good news? You go, how can that be? It doesn't look like it. Remember, we accept that we believe it by faith. Because we know our God truly is faithful. Share with you here in closing. This present day, coronavirus, it looks like evil has triumphed. It looks like, how can God be good and allow such evil to triumph? How can that be in the midst of that? And you could be saying, all is lost. And look at all the changes in our society here and the changes in our lives that have had to take place. Our worst fears sometimes, we think, have been realized here. But then we remember what Jesus did at the resurrection when He arose from the grave. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We have the victory. We can go through this. We can rise through it and walk through it or rise above it, whatever it takes. But we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And that's not my word. That's the word of God. The beautiful thing about it is, is Jesus is over all illness. He's over all cancer. He's over all viruses. He's over all disappointments. He's over all confusion and discouragement here. Jesus has conquered it all because He is alive. And He's alive forevermore. Isn't that good news today? 
There's an old hymn that I thought about when I was putting this together. And it's entitled, Christ Arose. And the words, y'all know it, I'll read it to you. Lo, in the grave He lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. And then the refrain is, Up from the grave He arose, with a mighty triumph o'er His foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and He lives forever with His saints to reign. He arose, He arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Up from the grave He arose. Don't you know? When He burst out of that grave and the stone was rolled away and He came forth there today knowing one day is we will stand before Him and we will obviously hear those words and we, we certainly want to hear the words of well done my good and faithful servant enter into your inheritance. Hallelujah! Death has no control over you and I. Death has lost its power over you and me and all who will put their trust in Jesus Christ. We don't have the fear of death, no matter what. Because the reality is, we don't never know what the next moment in time holds for each one of us. We have no idea. We have no idea of what tomorrow holds, but because He lives, I can face tomorrow. I pray this weekend will be a special time. I hope maybe if you can or if you're with family or whatever way you gather together to seek encouragement that that it will be a blessed time. I pray that Jesus would be right at the center of all that you do every day of your life. Not just this this weekend we reflect upon the resurrection, the, the, the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But that every day you would be just consumed with a new passion and desire and hunger for Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a song that we I've listened to and I was telling the church the other night that I, I pray it almost every night. And uh, it's about, you know, uh, new wine. It's by Hillsong. And it speaks these words. In the crushing and in the pressing, Jesus is bringing forth new wine in our lives. That's what He's doing. In the crushing. And those grapes were crushed and, and pressed to get the juices out, to make the wine and all. In that, when that happens in our lives, and sometimes that crushing and pressing in our lives, we think, oh, it hurts so bad. And it's agonizing. And yet, in spite of that, what's God doing? He's bringing forth new wine. New wine. A new anointing. A greater, obviously, sense of drive and passion for Jesus in this life. And all the things you can imagine and what that actually means. That is who Jesus is in your life. Bow before Him. Love and adore Him. He is the Lord over all. May God bless you in Jesus' name. And I want to just bless you this morning again. I bless each one of you who are watching this today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless each and every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May truly Jesus be honored and praised. And we thank you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you that you have conquered death, Jesus. Thank you that you overcame the grave and you arose. 
He's alive. He's alive forevermore, Lord. The best news we could ever have. And Lord, I just feel like that even I'd like to just shout, shout to the Lord all the earth and praise you because of that good, incredible, amazing and wonderful news of Jesus has arisen. Thank you, Lord, today. I pray your blessing upon each person in that's listening to this and, and maybe the overflow of your spirit in their lives to their families and their friends and others, dear Lord. And keeping in mind the social distance, certainly, but that people would be touched. That, dear God, today that this coronavirus would come to an abrupt stop. And, dear God, today that we would be able to get back in to the churches, into, our, into the marketplace, dear Lord. And be able to do the things that we have been, we've been doing throughout our lives. That each person would, would be supplied with what they need and beyond, dear God. Thank you, Father, for your graciousness through Jesus Christ and your love. By sending Jesus, Lord, I pray this weekend. Lord, we're not together corporately. But dear Lord, today, every person in this country and around the world would celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. God bless.